Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome back to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, as I mentioned on a podcast recently, I think you guys are getting a sense of where my focus is these days. I'm trying to bring you marketing leader after marketing leader after marketing leader sprinkled in with a little MarTech now and then, or let's bring in some great authors to work on ourselves instead of just driving revenue. And today is another one of those days where I am joined by a marketing leader. You guys are in for a treat. The theme is leadership today, and I am joined by Jim Bell, who is the chief marketing officer at Glint. And if you haven't heard Glint, you'll learn a little bit about what they do, but they were acquired by LinkedIn. But way before that ever happened, Jim was the very first marketer they had. And we want to kind of start there. But Jim, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, good to see you and uh, good to be on the podcast. Well, Jim and I got our, our first meeting way back in the 2007-2008 era. And if you know demand gen, you know that we launched the company in June of 2007. So this was the very early days when I was figuring out how to take the recipes and knowledge that I had for driving growth and bring them into a consulting practice. And Jim and I got the chance to work on a few initiatives, lead scoring being one of them and lead management. And Jim, I just want to thank you once again for letting me kind of like, you know, fake it until we made it and like figure out like what tools should we do to help Elastic Cloud and Jim's team apply these principles to the business. It was it was a fun engagement. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I feel like we've been uh, on this journey together in a lot of ways. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, the uh, kind of early, uh, early days when you were you were starting out and uh, I was uh, head of marketing at Electric Cloud and. Uh, just helping us you know, wrangle Eloqua and figure out how to actually use it and uh, and get things going there through to, uh, you know, kind of partnering when I was at Jaspersoft and was a CMO there. And we won the, the Serious Decisions ROI award. And, uh, you know, shout out to Leticia and Anne for, you know, all their support in that process because we, we watched, uh, you know, I think the year prior at the Serious Decisions Summit, the yeah. you had had with uh, the guys at Concur. And uh, yeah. I think we... we Sat around having drinks uh, by the pool. I think it was in uh, we we're in Scottsdale or something, and uh, just remember the you know after a few drinks, sort of like we could do that. We yeah, we could do that. And then a year later, there we were. So uh, yeah, it's been a great uh, great partnership, and I'm really grateful for it. Well, I really appreciate you bringing uh, my team back in, kind of like getting the band back together as you've gone on your career journey to Smart Turn, JasperSoft, and now Glint. Um, you've brought us in to to be an extension of your team. Really appreciate it. And that's that's a great story. In fact, I just had Melton Littlepage uh, record an episode. I don't know if yours is coming out first before his or whatever, but I'll let I'll leave that up to Justin. However, he was part of the Concur team, and there's so much similarities between you having that experience of serious decisions and seeing one of our clients on stage and saying, "We want to do that. We want to be up there the next year," because that's exactly what they said the year before when it was someone else, and that was exactly what. Uh, Doug Seacrest said when he was at Taleo and there was someone else on stage. So it was, I was like, we can do that too. Let's get up there. And you guys have all won these very uh, great prestigious awards in marketing. Uh, but Jim, you weren't always an award-winning marketer uh, and you've learned a lot in your career. And one of the big passions that you have is around leadership. And I certainly know Anne and, and Letitia very well and have just, I've always had the fondest things to say about you. It's re- You can tell the chemistry of a team when we're doing workshops with clients and when we're talking with them outside the meetings. And I can tell you, there's a client I have right now that's a chief marketing officer 
and she is not happy with her team. And I know there is going to be change in that organization. I never felt that way with you guys. You guys were a tight band uh, together. So I would ask that you share some leadership lessons today because it's a passion of yours. But what was it like being a marketing team of one? And, and how do you take, you know, you come into an organization that either wasn't doing marketing or uh, wasn't doing it the way that you do it. And, and how do you get started? I think there's some great lessons there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been really interesting and different. So, uh, before joining Glint, uh, I was, you know, at Jaspersoft and Jaspersoft got acquired and I kind of knew, um, I wasn't planning to, you know, stick around in the acquiring organization. And so I was looking around and it turned out, I felt like for the first time in my career, I was picked a good time to look and I ended up with a, spreadsheet to track all the opportunities I was looking at for kind of heads of marketing role. And I think I got up to 70 and wow. um, I didn't interview for all of them or uh, anything like that, but it was quite a few. And, uh, and Glint was the smallest one, you know, out of that group. It was uh, 10 people. Uh, it signed some, you know, friendly customers, but the product really hadn't launched yet. And, um, and there were, uh, I was just super excited about the, the mission of the company. So just as a little bit of background, you know, Glint uh, has really sort of disrupted the uh, the industry that's fairly heavily or was fairly heavily service-oriented around employee engagement. So think about the employee engagement survey, getting a pulse on sort of the health of your organization and, um, and getting uh, analytics and insights back to be able to take the right actions. And and so that that mission of making people happier and more successful at work was really compelling but frankly, uh, I was I was scared. You know, <laughs> uh, I felt like a pretty big risk. I'd never been a marketing team of one. I think the smallest marketing team I'd been on was maybe three. Um, and so the idea of like nowhere else to turn uh, and having to figure it out myself was uh, sort of exciting and terrifying uh, at the same time. And so, but uh, it felt like a leap of faith, and it was just a good reminder of, you know, sometimes if you um, it can be okay to make a decision and take a job if you, even if it's you're doing it because you feel like if you do miss out on something amazing, you're going to be really bummed. And it's okay to take that leap. And if it fails, it fails. And I've been at you know startups that haven't haven't made it, but uh, going after the ones that you really feel kind of match your your passion, you know, I would definitely recommend it. So uh, it's been a, it's been a very cool journey, but it's definitely the first time I've ever built the whole team myself uh, and. Uh, you know, it's a very different kind of journey than joining an organization, you know, that's already there that has processes and, you know, things set up. Yeah. I uh, did a podcast with Ian Brown. If you guys want to hear uh, additional stories about building a, a marketing department from scratch, you know, Ian likes that kind of small startup getting his hands dirty. You, you were very, um, you know, you've had senior roles, larger departments. And he talks about how like in the morning he's in Photoshop and then in the afternoon he's in Marketo. And then later that day, he's building board slides or investor slides. And he talked about just the, the range of his day and that podcast. What was it like for you to get, you know, your hands so dirty again uh, at a very tactical level as well as have to be in this strategic role? Because it's, 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 it's a big change if you haven't been, you know, in that big swing for a while. Yeah, I, I think the probably the biggest change was just walking into a place that didn't already have some type of marketing strategy. And so... I found myself going back to just sort of like first principles from business school and kind of marketing one-on-one like, all right, I just need to start thinking through this stuff and start documenting it. So others, you know, can follow and work off of this. And it really started with market segmentation and Hey, what are the ways we can kind of segment the market? What makes sense? 
which segments you know should we target? Uh, you know, how do we how are we going to position ourselves? Uh, looking at the competition, so it really does start at the very. It's a great exercise as a marketer to kind of be able to start from that clean slate and sort of build that foundation. Um, and then, yeah, you know, you're you're thinking constantly, even though you know what good looks like and all the things you need to build and all the things you need to do, you have to be pretty ruthless about like, what's the, what's the first set of things that need to get done. And in this case, it was kind of a, you know, a six month window before the plan to come out of stealth mode. And so that is a pretty big milestone in terms of, Hey, you've got to have a a legitimate website up. That's got to look good. And you've got to look like you're successful, even if you have, you know, six customers or whatever. Uh, And uh, you've got to be thinking about how you're going to get, uh, demand and so you know getting first you know pr firm in place and creating some content uh you know to see if something to drive demand and kind of figure out where your audiences live and how you can reach them when you're really at a standing start and you have no recognition nobody has any functional association with your name you got to tell them you know who you are you know what you do and why they should care so um and then just to watch that evolve uh, as we went along was, was just kind of cool to have the opportunity to get through each of those stages and then, you know, kind of move on to the next and, yeah. and, and then build a team, which we can talk more about. Yeah. I definitely want to talk about your leadership lessons uh, and dive into that. You, as you were describing that, it was taking me back to uh, one time joining a, a company and it, it was, it was a small, very small department. Um, in fact, I was working with Eric Lewis. Uh, Eric um, runs marketing ops at, at Ring Central and, been a client many times of demand gen, but we actually work side by side at this startup. And I do, I remember like coming in and going like, okay, so do we need a logo? Do we need a color palette? Uh, do we need to standardize our fonts? What about a corporate style guide? When do we need that? And yeah, should we do a WordPress website or should we do something, you know, like everything from the most tactical little things to the more strategic things and everything in between. It's, it's daunting. It's, it's incredibly rewarding to go through that journey. But um, in, in, in those earlier stages of my career, we didn't even have the kind of technology tools that we have today. And so you've had to do that as well as say, you know, when do we need to, did, did Galint, for example, have a CRM when you get there? Um, actually, yeah. The, the, so my boss uh, had was very forward thinking and was not in the mode of sort of a, hitting a double, you know, or even a triple. I was like, we're, we're going all out on this. It's going to be a home run. So he, yeah, we already had Salesforce, although I didn't like the way it was configured. So I ended up yeah. redoing it all myself. And I have just enough uh, sort of experience doing that. And uh, and it was just sort of reminded of, particularly it's just something I talked about when we did the ROI award thing of, of just from day one, when we had no salespeople setting in all these timestamps and, other triggers and information to capture knowing that would want to have a really sort of rigorous, you know, funnel model and understand conversion rates and lag times and all that kind of stuff. We use that continually and had by far the most kind of predictable pipeline generation performance I've ever seen because we just started tracking that stuff from the beginning. And and my boss, our CEO, we talk about it every week. uh, And, uh, and so having that stuff, yeah, in place early, um, but no brought in a, a bunch of different platforms after that and their marketing automation and uh, uh, some you know, personalization stuff, contact discovery, built the sales development team and tools there. And uh, so, yes, it was, 
that's really fun journey. Of course, when it's successful, right? It all, it's, it's always fun. But uh, e- even yeah. when you fail along the way, I mean, those those lessons serve you well as as you go forward for sure. Let's um let's dive into leadership. You you one of the first things that you share with me when it comes to leadership. My first topic here is about self awareness, and I I got to candidly tell like it's not the first place I would go now because it's right or wrong. But when you think about leadership, you often think about like your leadership of people, like how you're going to inspire them or coach them or set expectations and goals. And your first place is self-awareness. Um, so dive into that. Yeah. And I have to credit, um, you know, Jim Barnett, who was my boss and the co-founder of Glint uh, for so much of this of just is very, you know, I'll call a conscious leader and very mindful about, building teams, growing teams, how to develop them, you know, how to hire the right people. And and it starts with self-awareness for me because I think I always knew, I knew, I definitely knew that a bit about my style and how I operated. And so um, I knew that I needed to hire people who were very um, autonomous, very driven, very proactive, because I know I was not comfortable just micromanaging or feeling like I had to, uh, you know, crack the whip. It's just not kind of in my nature. And so I think that served me fine and it was helpful knowing that. But uh, when I joined Glint, uh, one of the first things we did uh, before our very first offsite, so I've only been there a few months, was everybody on the executive team uh, took the uh, uh, Enneagram test. So it's a personality test. There are these nine different types or archetypes and and we're all part of all of them. But um, through the test, you kind of get a better sense of what your tendencies are, et cetera. And so uh, what I like about it is that it's each one sort of got a, a label and that label just kind of helps you remember uh, what it is about that type. So of the nine types, there's, you know, type one is a reformer, somebody who, you know, principles are really important. Doing the right thing is really important uh, and sort of that, that others are doing it the right way is important. And, and gosh, if, uh, you know, if they're not, you're going to have to get there, get in there and do it yourself because it's just not acceptable to not, you know, do it the right way. Uh, my boss is a three that's an achiever. It's really important to be seen as uh, successful. So very driven people. A lot of CEOs are, are mm-hmm. achievers or threes. But you also understand their downsides. As soon as something smells wrong or bad, you know, they're going to go to a bad place and they're going to worry about a bunch of things. And so you got to I learned in working with him that I needed to make sure. If I didn't have to have the answer of how to fix something, but I had to tell them we were doing something different and mm-hmm. there was some logic behind that. And then, you know, things would settle down and, uh, and we could kind of move forward. So for me, uh, I'm a, I'm a peacemaker. I'm a nine. So uh, my strengths as a peacemaker, I'm very focused on what other people are thinking and feeling, et cetera. So I think it makes me a really good communicator. I, my messaging in the market, it kind of, I can kind of, more easily sort of step into the shoes of our customers and things like that. Um, good generally at sort of resolving conflicts because I'll sit back and listen to all the pieces. Everybody will be arguing. And then I'm the one at the end of the meeting who, you know, gets up at the whiteboard and says, Hey, actually you guys are kind of agreeing. And how about if we do this? Uh, so I started, you know, knew some of that stuff, but putting a label on it and then also knowing the weaknesses associated with that type. So for me, that's being conflict avoidant. Right. And, and sometimes it's very subtle and you don't even realize it. You're like, eh, that's not important. But what, what your brain and my type is kind of saying, like, yeah, that sounds uncomfortable. Or I don't want to confront that person over this. So I just tell myself, yeah, it's not important. So, you know, it's not going to matter. And so that I think is just a really important first step. And 
And uh, Jim would just, you know, sort of remind me continually of, you know, you need to be thinking about this. Are you being, you know, are you being aggressive enough here? How do you be bolder? Um, mm-hmm. We had a coach that we worked with who helped us with this. He wrote this great uh, book that includes some of these concepts about conscious leadership. Diana Chapman, uh, her book, I think is 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership, talks about a lot of these concepts. But um, she said, like, what's your, how are you going to remind yourself to kind of be ready to go to battle and like lean into conflict? Like, who are you going to keep in your mind that will help you sort of take on that persona that's not more natural to you? you Game of Thrones, I kind of thought about the hound. Like, the hound, like, was no no hesitation at all. It's like, just just straight into it. Uh, So, so that was really helpful. And then I ended up doing it with my whole team. And so, like, everybody on my team, so now the team is about, 25 30 something like that have taken that test and we all sort of know it we go through it together sometimes and it's been really helpful because that self-awareness helps people you know when they're in conflict or they disagree with somebody else the natural tendency is like why don't they get it you know like why are they wrong or they're always this way but when you understand kind of where they're coming from it changes the conversation and and it's part of how we talk now and Mm -hmm. so somebody who uh who's an enthusiast, you know, a seven. And, and this is like, everything's a great idea. Let's do it. Like, don't want to miss out on any party on anything. You know, FOMO is a big issue. Yeah. And so we can call that out. It's like, yeah, are you, are you sure you want to do this? Like, what about all the other things you're doing? Cause you know, you're likely to overcommit because you're so enthusiastic about everything, but you can do a check in there. And so uh, just, just this week, uh, one of my direct reports who runs a, a good sized team, you know, basically said like, "Hey, I need to, you to, you know, lean in with the executive team and like use use your challenge, go into challenger mode, which is another type of like you need to get them aligned, right? And so I can do my job. And so uh, it's cool to see that. So she doesn't have to say like, "Hey, you're not doing what I need, or you're or defining me as being wrong or bad." She says, mm-hmm. "Hey, I need you to like push this direction for me." So it's been super helpful. I'm I'm glad you brought it up. I'm, I'll actually put a link to it because it, it's not a natural word or spelling. It's in, Enneagram, E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. Um, we did, uh, and, and what how cool to work for a company that, you know, your company, Glint, who cares about this stuff and builds solutions for harmonizing and and, and building teams and team culture and that type of stuff to, to bring that in. We did Discovery Insights. So it's just another... Um, like there's Meyer Briggs, there's all these different ones. Yeah. And Jim, like we're going to cover a lot about leadership today, but like if all of you take away this idea that Jim shared about understanding the personality types of your team members, the rest of the organization, even customers, if you're in a customer facing role, it's a game changer in your relationships. We, I was part of Vistage, Jim, and Vistage is a peer group for leaders. And they have different speakers come in. So the the person from Discovery Insights came in and gave us like a little three hour primer. And like you had, I was all over it. I was like, this is this is really cool. And we had everyone in our company do it. We still have everyone in our company do it. And the reason it was such a game changer is so I'm a it's a different model, but my it's four colors, and you're a mix, like you said, of of all of this, but you have your dominant traits. And so I'm a I'm a dominant yellow followed by red with then green and then blue. And blue is like the very process-oriented people, which I'm sure if you took this, you probably have a lot of blue in you, Jim, just from how you show up and just even talking about the upcoming podcast, you got a lot of process uh, in you. Yellow is kind of like 
bright and shiny energy. Uh, and so like I might show up to you if we work together as, hey, Jim, I think we should do some team building. Let's go climb Mount Everest together. And you, if you are that blue, might go, that, that's a bad idea, Dave. And then, yeah, me as that achiever yellow would go, why are you such a dream killer, Jim? Like, why, why can't we do some team building? But what you're saying is that may not be the best idea in terms of Everest because of the risk of, of you know, lives to everybody. So you learn, like, if you're this person, um, how the other person might show up and just lean 5% in that direction. So for me to go to you and say, hey, Jim, I'm looking to do some team building. Uh, I'd like to bring the team together and do something challenging so we can be, you know, reward and celebrate success together. What do you think? And, and showing up that way instead of me, like, trying to drop this, let's go climb Mount Everest together. And for you to come back with the, instead of that's a bad idea, to go, you know, Dave, it sounds like you're looking to do some, some team building. Tell me more about what you'd like to achieve from that and what would come out. And you just change those conversations and, and, and the relationship is, is you know, the, the friction is gone and the collaboration improves. So I, I would not, like I said, have thought that like self-awareness is the first place to go with leadership, but, but genius in that, you know, if, if you don't know thyself and don't understand others, you've got to serve as a basis for, for working together. You also shared that um, connection and you, you put that word out there. You say, you know, Dave, connection, and you've done a lot to bring this now 21st, 25 people team together. So what, how have you, have you connected as a team and what have you done there that people can take ideas? Cause right now we're pretty all locked down. It's, it's hard to be connected unless what you and I are doing right now, webcamming and, and audio is, is connected. So what are your thoughts there? Yeah, absolutely. That's interesting. You, you, you said, I think it's a great, great point and a great example. Um, uh, and so, yeah, and we've used the, you know, the Enneagram as well to be connected. So, um, the group has a lot of fun with it and uh, we probably used it in most of the offsites that we do. And so um, unlike any place I've been before, uh, I thought maybe it was just sort of being in the, you know, the lead chair and not having a bunch of expectations about, uh, you know, what was okay and not okay was I really kind of leaned into doing more truly like, you know, team building offsites. Um, and I sort of learned that again from, from my boss, we did some early, also, it's actually kind of a funny side story. One of my bucket list items was to be you know, quoted in the Wall Street Journal. And um, at the first, this first offsite we did, or one of the early ones, we actually did a little bit of meditation as, as a leadership team. And for me, that was new at the time. And uh, I was like, okay, everybody, you know, you know, close your eyes and we're going to, you know, take some breaths and, and all that. And, uh, and I just had this weird feeling of like, are, are we really doing this? You know, and, um, you know, what if I peek or what if I get caught peeking? Is that weird or wrong or, you know, anyway. And so it turned out um, a, couple years later, a couple years later, Wall Street Journal is writing an article about CEOs who bring like meditation practices into the work environment. And uh, I end up sort of uh, yeah talking about and getting quoted about kind of exactly what I just said. Like, what is this, you know, and, and then later adopting it myself. So anyway, a bit of a tangent there. I just want to know if you peaked when you did it. <laughs> I don't think I did. I really wanted to, but I also felt like the worst the worst sin would be to uh, be caught peaking. On the other hand, like if someone's looking at me during that, then yeah. it is it is a little it is a little weird. Um, but <laughs> what what you shared is though, like offsides probably actually, if I can just reveal uh, the most stressful thing 
for me in the 13 years, 13 and a half years that I've been leading DemandGen is planning an offsite. Now, I don't mean a company offsite because I don't do that at all. Tiffany does that, our director of marketing. She's amazing at planning a company offsite. And I just don't even know how she does it. And I'm not at event marketing to me is stressful, period. But planning a leadership offsite, Jim, is really challenging because I don't know how to build the agenda of like the work content and the team building content. And I think, you know, your your view is you've you've planned offsites where there's very little work agenda, right? Where you focus primarily on the team building. I think you all, all even had people in the same, like in a house together, as opposed to like separate bedrooms in, in a hotel. So would you, uh, would you, would you inform me and, and maybe others like your approach? Because it, I, no bullshit. It is the most stressful thing that I have to do, not only every year, but sometimes during the year. And I'm like, what should the agenda be? How many days should it be? What are we going to talk about? Are people going to present? What expectations do I have to set ahead of time? Like it's daunting of everything that I have to do. And I, I don't even know why. So I'm going to take, I'm going to take your playbook. <laughs> I, I don't know about that, but, uh, but yeah, it is, it's hard. And, um, and it's always, obviously, you know, got to be anchored in the business. And, you know, I wouldn't, my team wouldn't have, and they often complained of like, well, where's, where's the rest of the business component of this? Like, what are we going to get done, you know, at this offsite? Um, but I, I would say, you know, a couple of things, and it can just be a session at the offsite, but we would always spend some time just kind of connecting as a team, but in a way I, I've never done before. So uh, did ones where you just sort of go around the room and, and, uh, and, and answer the following prompt. Like, if you really knew me, you would know. And it's pretty yeah. incredible what people share uh, about their own, you know, their own concerns, their fears. We did it with the executive team. And it was amazing to hear these people that were pretty senior leaders, especially given it was a startup, um, all kind of, you know, living in fear of not, feeling, you know, worthy relative to the rest of the group, relative to the CEO, you know, everything else. And to realize that, man, like everybody shares those kinds of, of concerns. But probably the most powerful one was uh, a, round, a similar round I did with my team. And um, by the way, so we, as you said, we kind of go try to find the biggest house we can or someplace where we can sort of like live together, right? And be together in the times in between, like, bring in dinner and, and eat together. We cooked one year and barbecued. Um, and you just have time to hang out in a way that doesn't require you to muster up the energy to get out of your hotel room and go someplace and wonder who's going to be there or if you'll sit next to the right person or whatever else. And that was um, amazing. And we played we play beer pong, like giant games of baseball beer pong <laughs> off sides. Because I just let the team do you know whatever they wanted. And you had people from... You know, I'm in my 50s and people down in the early 20s, you know, playing together and bonding in a way I, I had no idea it was going to be like that. And just the memories and the experience from the from those are so great. And they, they bring a team together in a way that just fills in a lot of the cracks and they're, they're going to go the extra mile uh, for one another. But anyway, getting back to it, this round I did, which was really powerful. So just to set the stage, we're in a house in Santa Cruz. I think there were about 15 of us at the time. And we did a round where I asked them to finish the, the following sentence about me, which was, uh, I would trust you even more if. And so it's, it's one of those props that, you know, kind of lets people know that, hey, you're not looking for, like, give me, give me constructive feedback, whatever, but you're giving them a way to couch it 
that helps them, you know, bring it out more. And I wasn't sure whether people would respond if they'd be, you know, shy, et cetera. And I, and I guess I like to hope that I had set enough tone and they knew me well enough to do it. But every single person shared something. Some people shared multiple things. Uh, some people would like plus one, you know, other people's what they shared. Um, and I, it was one of the, it was super memorable for me because I'm taking notes and I'm trying really hard to just say, thank you. Thank you. And not respond, not, you know, explain, not sidestep or whatever. And, uh, it was really emotional. And, uh, and so what I heard from that pretty loud and clear was, Hey, we just got acquired. Uh, we want, we're afraid you're not going to go play politics and like go to bat for us and promote us. And we're going to end up getting reorged in some sort of a spreadsheet exercise. And, you know, we haven't heard clearly from you, like what your commitment is to sticking around and, and being a part of this thing. Like we, we have not heard that. Um, and so those, those things stuck with me. And over the next year, I spent a lot more of my time than I would have just networking, making sure I was finding ways to show up in front of other leaders across the organization, you know, find ways to, you know, without feeling like a jerk, you know, promote my team. It really changed, you know, my behavior and what I would have done because in the normal world, I, that's not my thing. My thing is like, yeah, no, our work stands up for itself. That takes extra time that I don't have to go out and, you know, um, do a roadshow and promote the team. So it really impacted me. And I think what was even more compelling was uh, that was uh, on the last day of our offsite. And we had in the second half of the day, we had to kind of make it up to Sunnyvale for a, a bigger team meeting. And when we got up there and we all kind of stopped for lunch in the cafeteria and multiple people who were in the cars driving up were doing the same exercise in the car. So wow. they, were, they were saying, hey, do, do it for me, do it for me. And so that's that uh, the fact that they responded so well to it and were that yeah. curious and eager to hear those things that you almost never hear about yourself that are that are really powerful and that that have stuck with me, you know, things that are uh, just to give you a sense. I mean, I've heard things like uh, I wish you wouldn't, um, you know, uh, deflect, you know, conflict with humor. I wish uh, I felt like you were pushing your team hard enough. You know, uh, I would trust you more if. Uh, I felt like when you said you would say no, when you really wanted to say no, just things like that, based on my personality type, well, just yeah. reminders and things that stick with you like, Ooh, yeah, that I don't want people to feel that way about me. And you often don't hear those things. It can't, it comes back to where you started about self-awareness, right? You said, look, I'm, I'm a nine, I'm a peacemaker. That's my lead. And so you show up that way, which is, which is a, which is a wonderful trait and a, and a, and a, and a quality that in so many roles is essential. Um, and yet at a time of major change happening in the organization, your team was like, hey, we want you to be number three. We want you to be achiever. Number eight, you know, be a leader. Like, go fight for us, Jim. We we don't want to get disbanded or end up in a place we don't want. And in a, in a way, they were kind of calling you out, like, this is what we need from you right then. And had you not had this self-awareness exercise where you all understand each other, um, you, you uh, it, it's great you know, vulnerability probably needs to make your list because and, and you allow yourself to be vulnerable and you allow the team to be vulnerable and, and great leadership does. And a lot of, a lot of people in leadership 
don't feel like they can ever say that they're having a bad day or struggling or afraid of something or whatever and, and, and doing that. Very, very cool. Um, your third ingredient in your leadership lessons has a lot to do with authenticity. And I mean, Jim, for the 13 years I've known you, you're, you, maybe you know this, like when somebody immediately meets you, Jim is what you see is what you get. There's no, you may not let that person inside right away. You have to, I think, build a little bit of, of trust and rapport with the person, but you're, you're never, there's no bullshit with Jim. And that's how you've always showed up to me. And it makes the engagement, you know, when you're two different teams trying to come together, helpful. So why is authenticity even on your list uh, is a question I would, I would have for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it fits with what you said. I thought it was a good point about vulnerability. Um, I think without hearing those kinds of things, you don't even realize how much energy you spend every day worrying about what other people are thinking, uh, wondering, you know, if you're, if you're good enough, uh, you know, how they feel about you, what's wrong with them. It's, it's a lot of wasted energy. And so, um, you know, when you sort of have that connection and that willingness to, to share those things, it's, it's, a, it's really helpful. And so the authenticity really comes into play of now just beyond asking for it. Can you get yourself to a place where like you're, you're going to step out and share you know, that feedback or that thing that's bugging you. Uh, and so um, really we, we talk about it in, the, in terms of withholds, things that you're withholding about someone and kind of a rule of thumb. If like, if it's, you know, bugged you for a while or you've thought about it more than three times, you know, you kind of owe it to yourself to get it off your chest. And the hard part is how do you do that? If, uh, you know, take an example of um, that, that I use. So to tell you kind of how this works, just to lead into it a little bit more. Um, yeah. We basically got introduced to this issue clearing framework. And so there, there are a few different versions of this out there. Um, I think Jim Warner has one that, that is the one that we've used mostly. And basically the idea is you, you want to get these withholds out to someone or to a group. Um, and the framework is, um, you know, you ask permission to clear the issue Um and then you go through this framework and the, the framework and sort of leaning in on the framework helps take some of the sting and the emotion out of the actual topic. But the framework is, Hey, the facts are, and so you have to state things that are inarguable that, you know, the video camera would have recorded and wouldn't have played back and just people can't argue those things. And so you have to be careful how you state things to make sure what's the difference between a fact and like your judgment or your, your feeling about something. All right, so I'm following um, on. So ask permission to clear an issue. Yep. And state, state the facts. Yep, state the facts. And okay. then the word is sort of the story in my head is, or my judgment is, or my perception is. So now you're you're casting it in terms of like, hey, we're not talking about who you are, what you did wrong, you know, why I don't like you. We're talking about the the movie that's running in my head. And so, you know, the story in my head is blah. And then you follow that with how it makes you feel. And so, uh, and I feel, and, you know, usually as a part of, we watch people who've done this a lot, you know, they don't let you get away with sort of lesser emotions or non-core emotions. So like, eh, I was annoyed, you know, I was a little frustrated or whatever. It's like, no, come on, get to it. Were, were you angry? Were you sad? <laughs> you know, like, what was the, the course? Can you get someone to say that? Which is, which is really hard, but when people are digging into it and feel it, you know, they can they can usually find it. It's like, yeah, yeah, I was mad. I was mad. I was angry. Um, and then you follow up that with kind of little introspection, which is, and my role 
in this story, in this process and where I am, like how might I have contributed to this thing that I've been withholding uh, that's bugging me? What I like about that so far, just to, just to interject a point is, you know, the person starting off, you're saying is like, you know, hey, I want to talk about something. And you're stating facts, which are the non-emotional part. And then you, you share the story and how you feel. But then for the person to like really teeter-totter and say, and here's my role in it, is, is really, it, it, it leads to collaboration instead of finger pointing. Uh, you know, Jim and I can see each other. And so I'll, I'll do this for Jim, but you can see it. If you, if you hold up your hand and you finger point at Jim, you know, there's, there's three fingers pointing back at me in the, in the hand motion. And so I remember, you know, with my kids growing up, I'm like, Hey, you know, two sides to every relationship. And I love that the, that this issue clearing enables the person or it not enables, they have to say that they're, they're rolling it. So it's not just, you're on the attack and, and you're free and clear uh, from it. All right. So now uh, you shared your role in it. Then what? Yeah, just to your point, I've been thinking about the, like, if I come to you, something you've been working on or we've been working on together, and oftentimes the same is like, hey, like, we all know this isn't working or this isn't working, right? Mm-hmm. And, and your reaction to that, I mean, that is a defining state. I'm stating that as a fact, but you might not think it's not working. Uh, and so, yeah, to come and say, like, hey, my senses, I don't have, I'm not feeling good about where this is. Like, you're in a much better place to listen now about what my feelings are, et cetera, rather than saying, like, is it true it's not working? What does it mean about me that it's not working? You know, you, you end up in another place and you're not listening to me and I'm not you know, going to get through to you. So maybe just get, give you an example. And there are a few of these. And yeah. Really interesting and amazing thing is we practice this together as an entire executive team, you know, almost every week. And so it could be you had to go around the room and each person would sort of look at everyone else in the room and say, you know, uh, Dave, I'm clear with you. You know, Carrie, I'm clear with you. <laughs> uh, you know, Bob, whatever. And so you have to look at them and, and think, like, am I, am I withholding something about them? Uh, and it's a really powerful process and just so different from any leadership team I've ever been totally. on. Totally. Wow. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah. So, so just to maybe share an example, um, you know, uh, maybe, so I might be sharing with the head of sales. And so uh, it might be, uh, Hey, you know, can I, uh, you know, can I clear an issue with you? He'd say, Yes. Uh, I'd say, hey, the facts are, you know, you sent me three emails over the last two weeks about stuff we're not doing in marketing. You know, you sent me one about this great, you know, pitch deck, and you sent me another one about um, doing customer referrals. You sent me this other one. Um, you know, facts are, uh, my team has been really focused on A and B and C. Uh, you know, facts are whatever else, and then switch to, hey, the, you know, the story in my head is based on those facts is that you don't think I'm doing a good job. And, and I, uh, so I have this feeling that you're sending me these things because you feel like uh, we're not, uh, these are all things that we should be doing better uh, and, or, you know, I'm not working on the right stuff. And, and that makes me feel sad or I feel, I feel angry because like you're totally ignoring all this other stuff that we're doing and that's going well. Not to mention the fact at that point, I don't even know whether I don't know what his intent was, right? With those messages. I'm like, oh, Jim might be interested in this, you know, et cetera. But I'm taking it like, wow, here's all the stuff that you're not doing. Uh, and then I'd say, have to go to, uh, so I've said how I felt. Then I go to my role. And so my role is, hey, you know, my role in this is, I don't, I haven't done a good job of, I don't think I've done a good job of communicating our priorities in marketing and what I'm focused on and making sure you and the rest of the leadership team knows 
you know, what, what's number one, what's number two, what's number three for us. Um, and so, so that's, and that maybe, you know, we've been heads down on, you know, this thing or that thing. And so my role in it is, I don't think I've been communicating well about where we're focused. And what I want is, I want to be, you know, close enough with you to make sure that, you know, we're, we're on the same page in terms of how you're feeling about the partnership, uh, what you need for marketing and vice versa. Uh, and so I want to, I want to know if you're feeling that way and I want to know, uh, you know, kind of where we're at so that I can, you know, move forward and be more productive and not be, not have this movie run in my head about what I've got to do to sort of get back in your good graces or to, you know, or worse, you know, go try to address all these things that you didn't actually mean, you know, for me to go, go do relative to, to what else is there. And then the, the big part of it is then the recipient then has to play all that back. Ah, what I heard you say was the facts were the story in your head is, you know, you feel and your role in it is this. And through that process, there's usually some clarification, some understanding. And then usually there's sort of this kicker question at the end that the recipient uses, which is, is there anything else? Because this is a new process. It's uncomfortable for people. And that's the best time to see like what's underlying that, right? Because I might have said that. And then you know he might say, is there anything else? And I might get to a point like, you know what? Yeah, I kind of feel like you've been doing this for months or, or whatever, you know, <laughs> like there may be something more there. And, yeah. um, and, and what's really interesting is that's kind of the point. Like you're done when you clear that issue. It's not about resolving it. You know, we had, a, we had kind of a special rule where, you know, the recipient could kind of say like, hey, I think there's more here. I'd love to take it offline with you, et cetera. But, but you do not start in with the, like, oh, here's what happened or, or whatever. Like, that is not the point. And it's the weird thing is it's really all for the benefit of the, the person who's been withholding this thing. And it's just such a great feeling to unload that thing. And usually yeah. that's a good feeling. And then usually you get some sort of like, okay, yeah, I was definitely reading way more into this and feeling worse about it than I should have. Now, I um, read the book Radical Candor, uh, tried to apply some of those principles to conversations that we have. And it's tough. It's, it's definitely a great audiobook book to think about, which is, you know, we're working in this place where you can have these very candid conversations with people. And what I like about what you shared I me mean, in that framework is there's a structure to it. It was really, really strong communication to, I don't know if it's seeking resolution, but it's certainly clearing the air. And like you say, the benefit to the person who's feeling that, um, by the way, that uh, role play that you did between sales and marketing probably Everyone listening was like, yeah, I've had that thought, that feeling with, with sales because, you know, you never know. And that great, hey, we should do this event or we should make this or we need this or we need this or we need that or all your leads suck. Um, you know, it's it, it, it's uh, everybody can relate to that. Yeah. So uh, you, you get to be you get to be a CMO. You do it multiple times and that stuff doesn't go away. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't. So uh, self-awareness uh, was a dimension. Connection, team building was a dimension. Authenticity. And under that was uh, about clearing issues and, and talking about that. I loved your two questions. I, I, when I say I wrote them down, I typed them. Um, I would trust you even more if. What a great conversation to have with someone. Before we wrap up, what, what didn't we talk about that's still top of mind from a leadership perspective for you? Well, I love what you said about radical candor. And it just sort of reminded me of, that was just an amazing sort of analogy that's really stuck with me about feedback. And so one of the things I've learned through this process uh, and through these things we've talked about is the importance of just regular feedback in the moment, you know, right after the meeting, you know, when it's most, most useful 
and when it can be more specific. And uh, one of the things I heard, it was kind of in the context of a, a course on uh, difficult conversations. And I thought it was a really good analogy, which is oftentimes when you're thinking about giving feedback, particularly constructive feedback or critical feedback, you feel like there's, there's two doors in front of you. And one is the, uh, uh, the clear door where you give the feedback very directly, very clearly. And one is the kind door. And the kind door is where you don't want to hurt the person's feelings. You want to make sure, you know, um, that, you know, they're listening and you want to feel good about yourself, that you're not a mean, bad person, et cetera. And I think the, the, the conclusion they talked about in this, uh, in this little course was that, you know, the clear door is the kind door. Like if you're not giving clear feedback, like you are withholding something helpful from that person. Cause if you've seen it, you witnessed it. Other people probably are too. We probably all have these examples uh, in our careers where somebody told us something that was really hard to hear. And then once you had time to re- absorb it, you realize I've been doing that for a long time and nobody else gave me the gift uh, pointing it out to me so I could actually recognize it and, and get better at it. And if you can think of it that way, that feedback is a gift it helps you sort of lean into that. And it's so quick and it's very reinforcing because especially if you've hired good people, they will be all over it. They'll be so excited. Oh, thank you so much. And that's great. You know, uh, and, and they'll dig into it. Uh, and so anyway, I just thought that was a really good lesson. It's one of those things of like when I do get a chance to share with a, a little bigger audience, those are the kinds of things that I think are just so helpful to keep in the back of your mind. Yeah. People, as you said earlier, you don't like conflict, and 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 most people don't. You know, they don't wake up like, "Hey, who can I have a conf- conflict with today?" And so, like you said, it stacks up because you don't have that communication, you don't give that feedback or open the discussion. So it layers and layers, and you just get further and further away from working with that person. And and then at some point, you know, isn't it interesting how many times this has happened in your career? Either you're leaving, or someone's leaving, and you're doing an exit interview. And you feel like, wow, we should have had that conversation like 10 years ago or three years ago or six months ago. And you're like, why didn't you? Because you're, you're, everybody's disarmed at that point because you're parting. And yet you really should have had that conversation. I experienced that earlier in my career. And I, I uh, try, try, to, try to avoid that. You give that clear communication. But it's, it's a skill for me, especially being a, a CEO. I never realized in this role just how much your words can have an impact on someone just because of their freaking title. But so you have to, you have to just be that much more delicate sometimes when you're having a difficult uh, conversation, something that I still am always, always learning. Yeah. There's a, there's a sort of a rule at LinkedIn that is instituted by the CEO of tries to be really careful because he recognizes that of distinguishing when he's giving feedback of, Hey, this is a mandate. Like I'm saying I'm, I'm making this decision versus it like a strong opinion Versus a, you know, just an, an idea. And yeah. realize you have to be more conscious of that in a role yeah. like that because, yeah, you, you won't realize it, but the team has completely changed course because they put a bunch of weight on something you thought was an idea or a, a mildly, lightly held opinion. And all of a sudden they're off and running. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I, I, I often tell my team, like, this is just an idea and to try to try to give that precursor. And uh, I, I thank you, Jim, for sharing that and for sharing that with everybody. It's been great to um, to have this. Like I said, when I reached out, when I started the podcast four years ago, uh, there's a whole bunch of people that I've just never done episodes for that I've had the pleasure of working with and been part of my journey and, and engagements that I've learned from and developed from. So I want to thank you for that. 
All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Demand Gen Radio. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, And Jim, thanks again. All the best to you and the team. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.